Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I'm a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 12, War of the Coprophages. It originally aired January 5th, 1996. It was written by Darren Morgan, who I wish would write every episode from now on, (laughs) and directed by Kim Manners. He's free to direct as many as he would like. (laughs) That's good, because I believe he directs most of the rest of them. Most of the rest of them? Yep. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. What if he's not available one week? I don't know. Rob Bowman can direct as many as he would like as well. Editor's note, Rob Bowman was the director of Airborne, the rock and roller blade movie, starring Shane McDermott, Seth Green, and a young Jack Black. I agree, but I believe we found out that Kim Manners directs most of them. Not most of them. He's just, he directed the most out of all the directors. He's prolific. He's prolific. Not that he directed the bulk of the X-Files episodes. Well, I don't know why that's such a weird take that I would have had based on how that description was written. Oh, it's just because it takes a lot to direct one episode. You can't really do back-to-back. Look, I've seen a lot of episodes of the X-Files and some episodes do not take a lot to direct. Oh, damn. <laughs> not the ones with trains, though. The trains are hard. Yes. And so are the ones in rivers. Yes, the ones in rivers are definitely difficult. I pulled IMDb's logline this time because it is a goddamn roller coaster. Great. While looking for signs of alien ships in the sky above a small town, Mulder learns of a series of deaths supposedly caused by metallic cockroaches. He turns to sexy entomologist Bambi for help, which makes Scully angrily rush to his aid. (laughs) I don't think a single part of that is correct in that order. Maybe not in that order. Well, according to me, this is the one where, huh? So we have the cast. Bobby Phillips as Dr. Bambi Berenbaum. Yes, I definitely recognize her from something, and my brain tells me... The girlfriend in an 80s ski movie. How am I supposed to verify that? (laughs) Or a girl Zach Morris went out with once. (laughs) She does look like somebody who would have been on Saved by the Bell. She was in a movie called Chameleon. Apparently that was her most well-known. Oh. Check out this picture. Wow. It looks like she's the chameleon. Yes, I believe she's the chameleon. And it also looks like she's a ninja turtle. Yeah, it's some weird Photoshop. She's also in a Bolo Young documentary. Bolo Young, the Chinese Hercules. Oh, I was reading down here. Yep, I guess so. She plays self. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a documentary. Yeah, here are all the things. She's in Doomsday. She's in Evil Breed, The Legend of Sam Hine. She was in Dharma and Greg. She was not Dharma. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good to know. Two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. I did so watch she probably every was... episode of that show. She probably was. So... The Cape. Oh, my God. Boy Meets World. I know you also watched that. So you've seen her in stuff. Oh, she's Show in Showgirls. Red Shoe Diaries. There you go. Baywatch. The Bold. And The Beautiful. Silk Stockings! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, she was in one episode of a lot of things, or a handful of episodes of a lot of things. We also have Ray Burke as Dr. Jeff Eckerly. He was in all of the Naked Gun movies. Wow. Dion Anderson you. as Sheriff Fraz. From The Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Hmm. Cannot picture him in that movie. No, but I honestly haven't seen that movie in two decades. Oh, wow. It's a good movie. It's a movie that you should see once. Oh, no. No, no. It's, it's got rewatchability. I don't know. It's so sad. It's very sad. World is so sad. It, yeah. This world, world and world that sad. <laughs> that world is sad. World sad. All, all world sad. It's a sad world. <laughs> Bill Dow as Dr. Rick Newton was in Stargate SG-1, like a lot of these folks. Yeah. Alex Bruanski as Dr. Bugger. He was in Look Who's Talking too. <laughs> Lovely. Do you remember those movies? Did you watch them growing up? Oh, I liked the first one a lot. Oh, I watched all of them growing up on repeat. It was the sperm swimming through everything. To Pete Townsend's My Love Opened the Door. Yep. Why? 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 Why was I watching that in the 80s? Because it's it, the first one's a kid's movie, for sure. They're probably all kids' movies. I think they all are, because... It's dogs talking the third one. Yeah. 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 You're above talking dogs? 
I'm above certain talking dogs. No. All dogs go to heaven? Thumbs up. All dogs go to heaven? Tears constantly. Yeah. Burt Reynolds as a dog. It's good stuff. Really? I don't know anything about it except that I cried through the whole goddamn thing and can't watch it again. <laughs> I have, as you've, as you've probably figured out, plot, can't remember any of it. Who's in it? No idea. How did I feel about it? Will remember. <laughs> How did I feel about it? I cried. <laughs> did I cry a little bit? Or did I cry so much that I know never to watch that movie again? <laughs> In school, do they have you watch movies where you're sitting in class and it's like you're watching Bambi or something and you're like, why the fuck are they doing this to me in elementary school? Old now Yeller. Why? We watched Old Yeller. Yeah. An entire class, 30 children just weeping. Right. What is wrong with you? Okay. So it wasn't just my poor schools. It was your poor schools also. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Because I do remember when we would have, because you'd get excited about the movie day. Unless it was one of those movies, and you're like, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be the kid who's crying in class. Cool. Some days you get old yeller, other days you get Jeremiah Johnson. Who's Jeremiah Johnson? Robert Redford, with a big old beard. Oh. I remember he hangs his door with the soles of shoes as the hinges. Oh. And then there's a montage. There's a montage where he's just killing a bunch of people, and we cheered for the first kill. And our, I remember our teacher saying. Don't cheer for the kills. You'll be cheering a lot. So, of course, that was the wrong thing to say <laughs> to a bunch of fifth grade boys. Because we cheered for every kill after that. Wow. Amazing. Ken Kramer as Dr. Alexander Ivanov. He was at Antlers. Oh, good. A movie that I thought about far more before I saw it than I have <laughs> since, since I've seen it. <laughs> yes. All right, production note, writer Darren Morgan was inspired to write the episode after he saw the cover of a magazine that featured insect-like robots designed by roboticist and author Rodney Brooks. They also talked about War of the Worlds, but everybody talks about War of the Worlds, and I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it is raining here, if you guys can hear that. Yes, and I'm trying to talk so fast to get through this. In Miller's Grove, Massachusetts, an exterminator inspects the basement of Dr. Jeff, of Dr. Jeff, <laughs> having been hired to eradicate a cockroach infestation. The bugger says, Behold the mighty cockroach. Believed to have originated in the Cerulean period over 350 million years ago. They can be found in every part of the world from the tropics to the Arctic. There exists 4,000 known species, and in a year, a single female can produce over a half a million descendants. Radiation doesn't kill them. By evolutionary standards, they are nearly flawless creatures, but creatures nevertheless. Possessing only a simple nervous system, their behavior is dictated solely by responses to environmental stimuli. Unlike us, they are incapable of thought of self-illumination. It's pretty great. <laughs> After his opening prose, the exterminator goes about murdering roaches, and he knocks one to the ground. He attempts to crush it underfoot. However, the exertion is too much, and he begins to succumb to anaphylaxis, clutching his heart and collapsing against a wall. Recalling the scenes from The List, the other extremely bug-heavy episode this season, the roach he tried to crush crawls out from under his foot, unscathed. It's got that good <clears throat> exoskeleton. When Dr. Jeff <laughs> when Dr. Jeff returns, he finds the exterminator's body covered with roaches. It's pretty gross. In this scene, I wrote the note, I'm not going to enjoy this, am I? But I didn't mind it at all. Hmm. I think it's because the roaches aren't ooshy. They're not ooshy. I mean, roaches are... Famously crunchy. I think maybe I don't have a problem with bugs. I have a problem with gooshy bugs. Slimy bugs. Okay. Well, the flies weren't slimy. What flies? In the list. Oh, those things were just huge, though. That's a problem. Yeah, but the cockroaches are also huge. Yeah, but cockroaches are supposed to be huge. Flies are not supposed to be huge. I don't know. Those flies were the size of fists. <laughs> Punching people in the they thorax. They had pilots inside them. <laughs> uh, production note. Several incredibly detailed rubber cockroaches were also created for the episode to supplement the live insects. These props were designed by prop master Ken, by Ken H, 
<laughs> and could be put next to a real roach, and no one would know the difference. Props to the prop department. Yes, that's why I added that. Props to Ken Harilu? Harilu. Harilu. H-A-W-R-Y-L-I-W. Mulder is nearby in Miller's Grove, waxing poetic to Scully over the phone. He says his apartment is being fumigated. He's also in a place with reported UFO sightings. While on the phone with Scully, Mulder is approached by the local sheriff, Fraz, who's super gruff and accuses Mulder of speaking with his dealer until Mulder flashes his FBI badge and the copper calls him sir and starts asking him what's going on in his area. (laughs) Did you notice that the shift? Yeah, there was a definite shift, but I don't think he thought that Mulder should know what was going on until later. He He asks. No, he asks if he had cockroaches on his windshield. No, he asks about what's going on in the area. Are you here for the UFOs? Are you here for the bugs? Are you here for the all kinds of stuff? Sir, sir, sir. Well, I just thought it was interesting how his demeanor shifted completely. I thought it was interesting that while talking on the phone with Mulder, Scully was cleaning her gun. And I thought to myself, why? That thing has never been shot. But this was before we saw who was writing it. And then when I saw Darren Morgan's name, I was like, oh, okay. Dana Scully is going to be treated well in this episode. That's right. So my note was a little premature. Yep. Except for the fact that Mulder starts speaking about, you know, extraterrestrial life and stuff like he does. And she goes on about how astronomically small the possibility of life on this planet was, let alone intelligent life. Therefore, the possibility of intelligent life elsewhere is wildly improbable. So now she's not religious anymore? Well, that's because Darren Morgan wrote this, and he doesn't care about last episode. <laughs> she says it's downright un-Darwinian. Yep. Why would you care about Darwinian Dana Catholic Skelly? Because there are some people who are religious and scientific. Yeah. You're just going to say, uh, to yeah. all of those people? Okay. I don't trust them. Oh, right. But you also don't know. You're not a scientist yourself, so. Says who? Me, I just said it. I'm an amateur scientist. Yes. All right. Well, the sheriff reveals that a series of roach attacks have taken place in the town. Curious, Mulder follows Fraz and is allowed onto the scene at... God, what is his name again? Say his name. Eckerly? Eckerly. At Eckerly's residence. Scully is still at home where she'll stay, doling out reasonable medical reasons for the deaths that are occurring. I actually like this banter. I thought it was cute. No, it's great. Scully has a really good episode. Yeah. Because Darren Morgan wrote it. Right. I think he's the only one who has respect for that character. Yeah. Or women. (laughs) He's the only X-Files writer who's ever met a woman. Yep. I think my favorite scene with her is her eating from a whole ice cream carton, not like a pint. I love that it was a whole gallon ice cream. Yeah, it's like her power went out, so she had to get rid of the frozen foods before. (laughs) It was while she was researching the roaches that she was eating from the entire thing Uh of ice cream. But it was after she had that deliciously delightful veggie plate for dinner, and it had a slice of lemon on it, so she's treating herself right, even when she's only cooking for one. Oh, good for her. Yeah. So... Obviously, I was paying attention to the stage setting here, and it was phenomenal. Like, everything about this was really great. Props to Kim Manners. (laughs) Props to the props department. (laughs) Elsewhere in town, a trio of teenagers drink beer and huff fumes generated from heated manure. You know, like you do. And one of the teenagers I clocked immediately is Tyler Labine, who you said, I don't know who that is. And I said, yes, you do. The cool kids know him from a little TV show called Reaper where he played Burt Wysocki, also called Sock. He is the funny sidekick. He had his own show called Deadbeat that was on Hulu. Probably not even Hulu. CISO or something like that, where he could see ghosts. It was a fun show. It lasted three seasons. Calpen, I think, was in that. And uh, Brandon Jackson, who was in Tropic Thunder, was also in that. But you would know him as Dale from Tucker and Dale versus Oh my god! Evil. It is him! Yes! Whoa, he's so young! (laughs) Yes, he is. This was shot in 1995. Oh my god. And was just looking up his IMDb because I couldn't remember the name of Deadbeat. But he's a year younger than I am, so he's like 18. Oh my gosh, Tucker and Dale, I was so ready to be like, this is the dumbest. And it's so heartwarming. It's such a good movie. Great movie. Really great. Loved it. Well, I'm going to tell you, you told us all of that delightful stuff. I'm going to tell you about Gencom. Do you know about Gencom? Is that a big pants jeans company? No. 
So, from Scholarly Journal Wikipedia. Okay. Gencum is a purported inhalant and hallucinogen created from fermented human waste. Oh, they are huffing manure. Yep. Ugh. I had to look it up. I was like, what does this do? In the mid-1990s, it was reported to be a popular street drug among Zambian youth. And, because the U.S. loves a moral panic based on faulty information, <laughs> we had to get in on it. Oh, great. In November 2007, there was a moral panic in the United States after widespread reports of Gincom becoming a popular recreational drug in middle and high schools across the country. Though the true extent of the practice has since been called into question, several sources reported that the increase in American media coverage was based on a hoax and a faulty internet research. Great. Makes perfect sense for me. It absolutely does. Well, back to the show. One of this... I said one of the students because I was just said middle and high school. <laughs> one of the teenagers sees a roach crawl into an open wound on his wrist, which is like my worst nightmare. This is what I was always afraid of with drugs. This was the thing. <laughs> this was the view that would make me stay away from drugs if there was one. Yeah. <laughs> and in an attempt to extricate the insect that's burrowed into the holes in his arms and he's watching the cockroaches crawl under his skin he takes a not a straight razor just a razor razor blade and starts slashing at his skin which ultimately he severs his own artery and bleeds to death so the moral is don't do fermented manure kids no huffing of poop right at the scene, Mulder talks over the phone to Scully, who explains that this is likely a case of drug-induced delusional parasitosis. However, what I want to know is there were two other people there. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to staunch the bleeding. They probably did, but if you got an artery and they are drunk and high, they're not going to do very well. I mean, you just have to apply pressure. Not to an artery. I mean, you would have to apply pressure to an artery. You would, but that's not going to stop the bleeding. It will slow it. Not enough for a severed artery. You gotta get that fast and sew it back together. Just wait. I'm gonna ask when we go to our wildlife or wildlife or wilderness first aid. I'll be like, what? Do, what are we supposed to do? And they're gonna say, apply pressure. Yeah, they're gonna say apply pressure to make you feel better, to make you feel like you're doing something to help. While they the person even, dies underneath you. They didn't even have blood on them. They didn't even try. Tyler Levine had blood on him. Did he? Yes. Okay. I didn't Hi. See All right. Well, Mulder finds a cockroach on the underside of a piece of furniture, indicating that roaches were at least present in a basement filled with huffing manure during the time of year where cockroaches are known to be around. But still. This one was very special. Evidence. While he attempts to capture it for analysis, he's like, he does a quick grab, which is almost as cool as when Mr. Miyagi grabs that fly out of the air with his chopsticks. Nothing is as cool as that. No, it wasn't even nearly that cool. But he grabs it, and it starts crumbling in his hand and cuts his fingers to pieces. Yeah, that's what happens with metal splinters. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's yeah, not what happens with Ugh. It's not what happens with cockroach carcasses. No, that's because it's not a normal cockroach. It's not. This cockroach isn't like all the other cockroaches. No. This one's got a metal exoskeleton. Well, I have another note pertaining to cockroaches. Are you ready? Can't wait. You're not ready. Oh, I Bet I am. Well, here we go. Director Kim Manners was very pleased by the way the cockroaches acted, noting that every shot I wanted to get, they got. Cast and crew members humorously recalled that Manners even began giving orders to the insects. The cinematographer, John Bartley, saying, When I saw Kim Manners talking into a bucket of cockroaches, that was a highlight for me. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. I do too. All right, guys. You, I want you to go this way. You, I want you to go this way. <laughs> You, you've spiked the camera too many times, you're out. <laughs> Sheriff Fraz purports uh, that the government, under the guise of the USDA, has been breeding killer cockroaches in a nearby facility. So, if you're interested in governments actually doing this, you can look up an article that I looked up. Here's a quote from this article. From Old Testament accounts, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out, Joshua 24:12, to the Vietnam War and beyond. Check out Jeff Lockwood's article on history.com, Bugs of War, colon, How Insects Have Been Weaponized Throughout History. For millennia, six-legged soldiers have been conscripted to torment enemies. And it gives you a whole rundown of all of the times that bugs have been used as biological warfare. Oh, cool. Yeah. From the Old Testament to the New. Oh, good. <laughs> 
crazy. I was like, how many times has this been done? I'm sure it's been done, but like a lot. Apparently it's been done all the time. It's always happening. Makes sense. It's currently happening forever and always. Yay. Immediately afterwards, the medical examiner is found dead in a bathroom stall, initially covered with cockroaches that disappear from the scene before more than one person can witness them. So, do you think these bugs are magic or that they just scatter in the light like real bugs? <laughs> I think they're neither. Because of the one metal one? Yeah. But then the next one that he finds is not metal. It's because not all cockroaches are aliens. Only some of them. But all aliens are cockroaches? No. And I'll tell you why later in the episode. Great. Scully attributes the medical examiner's death to a cerebral aneurysm induced by overstraining while defecating. Mulder and Sheriff Fraz find a seemingly dead cockroach on the sink in the bathroom. Mulder thinks that it's another carcass, and when he goes to capture it, a little bit more gently this time, it proves to be alive and runs down the drain. It was a fun shot. It was. From in the drain up. Another production note, the episode, like Morgan's previous effort, the second season's humbug, used a great deal of humor, including an in-joke where Scully reads Breakfast at Tiffany's. So did you notice she was reading that? I saw it this time. Was she reading the same book in Humbug? No. Oh. Her reading Breakfast at Tiffany's was a reference to a question on Jeopardy that David Duchovny had been asked when he appeared on the show. Hilarious. Yep. That's amazing. I love it. I love the little in-jokes. One of my favorite episodes of SNL's Celebrity Jeopardy, David Duchovny plays Jeff Goldblum. Oh my gosh. It's, We're going to have to watch it. It's fantastic. That's amazing. Wow. Those are some personalities right there. Mm-hmm. Mulder goes to investigate the facility Sheriff Fraz mentioned. Before breaking in, he and Scully discuss the odd behavior of the roaches, with Scully hypothesizing that the roaches could be an invasive species, which makes sense. I love that all of her hypotheses make sense yes. based on where she's at. She's at home. She's getting very basic information. She's like, okay, well, my first thought would be this. And we are strike three on dead guys here. Nothing spooky about any of them. No. So we're going nowhere in this episode so far. Right. <laughs> it's just a bunch of nonsense. Yes, but that makes it great. Yeah. I love it. I love the nonsense ones. This episode could go literally nowhere and I would still have a great time. I got good news for you. <laughs> uh, Scully, when talking about invasive species, basically describes palmetto bugs. Yeah. I just have to point it out that she's talking about palmetto bugs since we're here in Florida and we know all about these things. They are a menace. To society. And while drinking their juice in the hood. Yes. Mulder asks if they are known to attack people, and she says no. Or actually, I don't think she even answers that. But the answer is yes. Palmetto bugs will just fly right in your face. They will. They're territorial. They do not care about people. They are not afraid of you. They do care about people. They want you to get out of their space. <laughs> and they are gigantic. They are. They are giant flying cockroaches. And they will get into your pantry, and then they will make a lot of noise, and then you'll know that there's one in your pantry, and you're like, but I need to make dinner, but I can't because there's a cockroach in my pantry. Yikes. And then you have to leave. But no, here in Florida, we don't call them cockroaches. We call them palmetto bugs. Well, they are also in palmetto trees yeah. and bushes. And we have a lot of palmettos, too. Yes. So, if you're cutting back palmettos... Prepare yourself. Dress accordingly. Because, one, they're very sharp. And I think their sap can bother you. It's an irritant. Probably. And... You're going to get attacked. <laughs> they're full of bugs. <laughs> you're going to get a talking to. It's... Basically, Jurassic World down here. Like, what a playboy, what are you doing in my home? <laughs> is that how they talk? Yep. Oh, man. All right, well, the facility is basically a house. It looks like a house. Mulder breaks in, even though Scully's like, Mulder, I know you've broken in before, but please don't break in. And he's like, nah, never mind, I'm already in. It says, too late. <laughs> he sees the walls rippling and is quickly surrounded by roaches. And we're like, oh, fuck, it's the end of the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> Because so far, we do not know that all of these people are dying from mundane things. Nope. We think that these cockroaches are spooky. But Scully's told us exactly how everybody's died. Yeah. And then he, his flashlight goes out. Yep. And he screams. Oh, because we see it from Scully's point of view when his flashlight goes out. And we just hear him go, no! <laughs> right. It was, okay. So it's a cool, fun misdirect that, oh my God, Mulder just died. And then she says, what's going on? Oh, my flashlight went out. <laughs> it was. 
It's so funny. It's They're so like good. siblings. That's something you would do to your sibling. Darren Morgan is, I'm calling it right now, this is his third episode, he's the best X-Files writer. Oh yeah. I've enjoyed all of his episodes, which is more than I can say for everybody. But then the lights come on. Yep. And apparently all the roaches scatter at that. Yep. And the look that Mulder gives, I thought it was going to be somebody that he knew already. Because mm. he gives a look that I misinterpreted as, oh, it's you. And he just says, I gotta go. Yes, he does. Because he is then confronted by Dr. Bambi Barenbaum. And I am deceased. Dr. Bambi Barenbaum. I am obsessed with that name for the rest of my life now. Which is not long because I'm dead. <laughs> that name has perished me. Dr. Bambi Barenbaum, whose parents were nudists. Is that what she said? That's what Mulder says later. Is it? Yes. I missed the nudist He part. says naturalists. Oh. But that means nudist. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Naturalists. Who means read nudist. The Night of the Grizzlies? Was it you or was it me? I don't know, but I. Well, read you do know. Night of the Nudists. Did you? Yes. Can I borrow it? I wrote it. Oh. Can I read it? <laughs> yes. Okay, great. And they all call themselves naturalists. Because after I read Night of the Grizzlies, everybody was like a a ranger naturalist. And I told you I was going to oh, be a whatever right. slash yeah. naturalist. I forgot about that. Are you looking for your notes? My phone. Oh, I was like, because your notes are right here. <laughs> are you looking it up? I'm looking up naturalist. All right. Well, while you're looking up naturalist, I'm going to give you a show note real quick. Because I thought this was amazing. The show's animal trainer, Debbie Cove, did a fantastic job. She used around 300 cockroaches for the production of this episode. And of these hundreds, only one died during the filming, although it was due to old age. Oh, wow. <laughs> fantastic. How amazing is that? I always wonder when you're doing productions with bugs, because I feel like, obviously, like in the probably even well i'm even surprised in the 90s that you did that they cared but you go far enough back and you're like oh they just they just shot that horse to get the shot i got it <laughs> <laughs> oh they're drowning kittens on the film all right but i always wonder now like what what are the rules how do the rules change with all of this stuff and can you have how do you deal with bugs on set because that can be tough or like when you have a thousand rats like how do you herd those things what are, I need to talk to Daddy Cove. Yes, you do. That'd be amazing. And just so you know, nudists are called naturists, not naturalists. So I was correct. Well done. Thanks. I, now I have to go through and re-edit that entire book. <laughs> well, you can just control F and I, then... Uh, what? Did you handwrite it? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You handwrote it, right? Long of course form? I did. <laughs> then you can't. You can't control F it. I don't even know what control F means. <laughs> I like Axel F. Axel F? It is. You have to do that with every single word. It's going to take a long time. I'm just going to burn it. No. Yeah. Can I read it anyway? No. Dang it. I'm too embarrassed now. Makes sense. You should be embarrassed. Well, Dr. Bambi Berenbaum, who has deceased you, is a researcher from the Department of Agriculture who is studying cockroaches to develop more effective methods of pest control. Sounds like she's, she's got a real job that's a real thing. Yes. <laughs> Great. She does. She is a solid, good character. She is. And Mulder is so horny. Oh, my God. So horny in this episode. Yes, he is. Everybody knows it. It's everybody. Mulder, take it down a notch. Oh, my gosh. Actually, don't. Get hornier. Go for it, buddy. No, don't go for it. Yeah. Don't, no, leave her alone. No, they tried to make a... No, no, because she's horny, too. She's, she's horny, Constantly talking about bug dicks. <laughs> All I, bugs do is eat and fuck just like us. Only they're honest about it. No, she's throwing it out there for him. She's picking up what he's putting down. He's not putting down anything. He's too busy knocking his boner into things. <laughs> <laughs> he's making pouty faces at her. Oh. He's putting them eyes on her. He's right. got nice eyes. Baronbaum has great interest in insects and, incidentally, believes that some UFOs are actually insect swarms flying through electrically charged air spaces, which makes a Mulder gum in his pants. 
keep that in there. <laughs> Too bad. Oh shit! You, you said that on mic. It's done. I'm I'm gonna make sure that I can amplify it enough that people hear it. Ugh. So what I really said was Mulder falls instantly in love. <laughs> See, look. Uh huh. Yet That's another a weird doodle you got there. <laughs> uh, yet another death occurs in Mulder's hotel, uh, where he is not, but. I guess that's where he was staying. With the individual being found covered in roaches that quickly flee. So when the guys, there's other people in the hotel and they open the door. Which well, first and foremost, let's... Talk about this hotel? Let's talk about how the fact that Mulder wakes up startled because he's in a bed. Oh, yes. I skipped over that. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. This is the most important part of this whole scene. He, Mulder's sleeping in a bed and I think that's what scares him. Right, because Scares the only awake. other time he's been in a bed-like situation is when he was dying, and yeah. he was in that sweat house. Yeah. Then he immediately calls Scully and is like, Scully, I'm in a bed. <laughs> he does! <laughs> he's like... And this is the first time he's talked to her since, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Or no, <laughs> she calls him later when she's talking to, to Bam, when he's talking to Bambi, and he just says, not now. That's right. <laughs> She hasn't talked to him since then. She has no idea what's going on. No, and she's, she's sleeping, sleeping with, with her, her phone. phone next to her. She's like, Mulder, are you okay? And she's like, and he's like, I'm in a bed. <laughs> right. It's not okay. He's the worst partner, and she's the best partner. Yeah, and Darren Morgan's the only one that knows that. Yes. That's absolutely 100% true. Yes. All right, so Mulder's in a bed. Also, in this hotel, anybody can open the doors. Apparently. They don't lock. There's nothing. There's no locks anywhere. On the front, on the back, anywhere. No locks. You can just walk in. Which makes it feel kind of like a hostel, but with doors. Yeah, okay. I've never been in a hostel. I've been in one hostel. It was the nicest place I think I've ever stayed. <laughs> I have been hostile. You have been hostile. But I've never been in a hostel. Well, if anybody is looking for the fanciest hostel that they've ever been to, go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming stay in that hostel. It's the cheapest place you can stay in all of Jackson Hole because Jackson Hole is incredibly overpriced. Very nice, though. It's called Cash House. Definitely go. Check it out. Oh, great. So the guy, scre- somebody screams. Yeah. Muller goes, I gotta go again. Yes. Scully is so frustrated. She does that. Wait, no. Uh, uh, Which makes sense because she's like, fill me in. What is happening? You keep screaming and hanging up. I just love that Jillian Anderson does did such a good job. Oh, she's amazing. Jillian Anderson. She's like, no, wait. Uh, uh. Jillian Anderson's the best actor in this whole series. This is a this is a good script for her, and she does lots of good stuff with it. Yes. And then Mulder runs out into the hallway. Is he wearing jeans? Just, a, just jeans and no shirt, like he's Wesley Wyndham Price in Angel Season 4. <laughs> I had to... This was so shocking because apparently he fell asleep in bed with his jeans on. No, he's in an underwear when he gets out of bed. Okay, he puts his jeans on. That yeah. makes sense. That makes more sense. I was so distracted with him running around with his shirt off that I was on IMDb the whole time. Like, what else was he in at this time where he thought oh, that his whole yeah, physique was like, this is, I have worked so hard for this physique. I am getting it on camera. I think Darren Morgan put him in a Speedo once? Yep. I think Darren Morgan just likes seeing David Duchovny's body. I think Darren Morgan thinks it's funny to put David Duchovny in positions where he's slightly uncomfortable. Oh, could be. And I agree with It is Darren raining Morgan. at the end. Yes. <laughs> and we know Mulder hates the David rain. David Duchovny hates the rain. Hates it so much. All right. So they go uh, and find the body. It appears that this individual simply died of fright. So he saw cockroaches, yelled, died of fright. And Mulder reaches that conclusion without Scully's help. Yes. Scully begins to wonder what is going on and decides to head up there herself. And Mulder's all, whatever. What? We had to stop, rewind, put the closed captions on, (laughs) and say, did he just say whatever? Did he just whatever Dana Scully? And he sure as hell did. What a bastard. Yes. Ugh, I'm not mad, Fox Mulder. Just disappointed. <laughs> Mulder finds a cockroach in the hotel room and he brings it to and Baron. In a roach motel. Yes. So it can't get away. Yes. Important. Okay. Baron Baum thinks it's mechanical. There's a lot of discussion about insect genitalia that I did not copy here. Hung like a something dragonfly. I yeah. Think. Not like a horsefly. Hung like a horsefly is right there. I am not an entomologist. I don't know what's hung like what. I'm just, just saying the joke is right there. 
I know, but I'm saying that she's an entomologist, so she probably knows what actual the actual genitalia look like. Mulder then visits the nearby Dr. Ivanov, a wheelchair-bound scientist who works on insect-like robots. I love this lab. This was one of oh, my favorite not- scenes, or not necessarily scenes, but like sets and... Uh, stuff going around on around it so far in the series. I love the little robots running around. The robots have little eyeballs on them, which make you like, oh my gosh, look at these cute little eyeballs. They're like Cupid dolls, and you just need to touch them. Little legs that just go back and forth, but don't actually touch the ground because nope. they're on wheels. Yep. It was wonderful. It was I lovely. loved it. It was a great playground wonderland. Uh, Dr. Ivanov has a speaking device that's interesting. It is a microphone that goes that's pressed into his throat, like, uh, on his vocal cords, which I thought was fascinating because I was like, oh, I bet I bet that does work. It's like a voice box for people with throat cancer. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, on a arm. Yeah. It was just an interesting way to do it. And I was like, this is great. I love this guy. It was definitely like a Stephen Hawking type character. I don't remember Stephen Hawking in the 90s if he had the use of his arms still. Uh, yeah. I don't remember when. I don't remember the timeline. Yeah. How quickly he degenerated. But I really liked, I liked the whole situation. He was, because he's obviously this super smart guy. And he's, he's a, yeah, he's a really good character. Super capable. And they didn't, what I really liked is that they were like, yeah, this is just this guy. Yeah. As opposed to calling attention to, uh-huh. like they've done, some other people have done in other episodes. Uh-huh, yeah. They didn't other him is what, right. I'm, what I'm poorly trying to say. The two discussed the possibility that extraterrestrial intelligences could send robotic probes to study other planets. In fact, Mulder is going to move to this tiny town full of UFO theorists. It's totally his element, though Dr. Ivanov is quick to point out that anyone who thinks extraterrestrials are humanoids with large eyes and heads rather than robotics sent by the species are just kidding themselves. Wow. I hate to be the bearer of bad news to Dr. Ivanov. But we know better than that. We don't, though, because those are all humans. Those are human-alien hybrids. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. No, not maybe. We've seen purity control. We've seen the little... Little baby alien fetus. We've seen that I did love the little baby alien fetus. After inspecting Mulder's specimen, Ivanov is rendered speechless. He informs Mulder that the specimen is, technology-wise, vastly superior to anything he's ever seen. I love how they can always tell how vastly superior something technologically is by one second looking at it through a microscope. (laughs) I don't immediately understand this thing. So it is made by somebody from above average intelligence. It's it's always that way, though. They're like, they basically have those little, um, those diamond viewer things. Uh, Like eyepiece? Those little eyepiece things. And they're like, whoop, nope, I don't know, I don't know. It's the most technologically advanced thing I've ever seen. Takes no time. Production note, the episode marks a rare occasion in the series in which the fourth wall is broken. Although no character addresses the audience, a cockroach scurries across the screen, scaring the viewer into thinking an actual insect is crawling on their television. It was fantastic. (laughs) Especially since it wasn't a real bug in our house. I wonder whose idea it was. Darren Morgan. Darren Morgan, it seems like probably, but he's not the director. Yeah. It seems like something he would do. I mean, it does, but also Kim Manners was directing the bugs, so maybe. Yeah, and he did really enjoy the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It was I, fun. I really liked it. Scully arrives in the town at a convenience store, finding the residents succumbing to panic over the roaches. <laughs> She's like, what is happening in this town? And eventually she has enough, and she's just like, hey, everybody, shut the fuck up. <laughs> she does. It, uh, it doesn't really work. She attempts to calm the people down. However, the storegoers frantically flee after two scuffling patrons knock over a display of chocolate candies and a man yells that there are roaches. It's all very, there's a hurricane coming and we're tourists, so we don't know how to behave appropriately. Oh yeah, definitely not a hurricane coming and Floridians because Floridians do not act like that unless the Waffle House closes. That's right. You don't have to worry until the Waffle House closes. Maybe I'll go get a case of water. I don't know. (laughs) It's not Uh, high on my priority list. Nope. (laughs) Man, it's nice that we're not in Orlando, though, because that's where all the tourists are when all of this happens. Oh, good lord. Meanwhile, Mulder, while departing Ivanov's lab, catches another roach to bring to Baron But this time, she concludes that it is a seemingly normal cockroach. Even its genitalia is standard. It's like he's finding little treats to bring to her. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I like before the commercial break, he picks it up after he's just had the conversation with Ivanov about how we're likely going to see robots before we see anything live. And he's thinking that the cockroaches are alien robots and he picks one up and talks to it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Greetings from Earth. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good. That was a good shot, too. They had some good camera shots here. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, like, fractalized? But yeah. Do cockroaches have those type of eyes? I don't know. I don't know either. I've never heard of them having those type of eyes. Spiders and flies. Yeah. The only ones are recognized as having those sort of eyes. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think cockroaches have two, but I've already said it several times this episode. Not an entomologist. Me neither. Well, there... Now you've said it. No, I just said me neither. <laughs> You're right. Scully finds out that Eckerly was researching dung-derived methane as an alternative fuel source and had been importing animal dung that may have introduced the roaches to the area. Reasonable. Reasonable. Now this is where I want to point out, did you notice what the chocolate candies were called? No. Choco droppings. Nice. That's hilarious. <laughs> and Scully kept eating them. It was great. Yes. She's just mowing down on them. I love this episode. She's just, she doesn't get to eat in most episodes. In this one, she gets to snack on stuff. Yeah. The whole time. This one and uh, the one with the ribs. Yep. That was my favorite. I'm still moving there. Yeah. <laughs> Buying a whole cattle farm to just have pets. Upon hearing this, Mulder speculates that the roaches are actually extraterrestrial robotic probes that are capable of consuming dung an abundant resource already exploited by some species of roaches to generate methane as a source of fuel. Unreasonable. (laughs) So is what he is proposing, these cockroaches didn't come here on a ship, they are the ship? I don't know. And they're just stopping over to fuel up before they leave again? I have no idea. I never put any of it together. That is why I said this is the one with, huh? Yeah. What? Either way, the cockroaches we are saying are alien. That means that we now have three species of alien in the X-Files. We have the shape-shifting Brian Thompson one. Oh, yeah. Yep. We have the little grays. Yep. They're not gray, but I'm still going to call them little grays because they got the big heads and big eyes. And now we have cockroaches. That's three different aliens now. It does seem like these leave at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered too, but they exist. They are in the universe. And we also have alien-human hybrids from two different species. Yep. Because the Brian Thompson shape-shifting ones, we have alien-human hybrids. Those guys look human. Yep. And then we have little gray alien-human hybrids that look like little grays. Yep. All right. Just getting everybody caught up. That's great. And then we have cockroaches. Cockroaches that are possibly... Robots that are capable of breaking through the atmosphere on their own. Yes. Without a, without a secondary ship. And then refueling and then leaving. Yeah. Which is causing mass hysteria in this one town. Because that's where all the dung is. All the dung in the world is in this one place. It really seems strange because they're also talking about how Eckerly is bringing in, is importing animal dung. Which makes sense. Well, I don't know if it does, but whatever. He's importing animal dung. Which means that any of the cockroaches that are coming from that dung exist elsewhere in the world. Right. So this isn't just a problem for here. This is a problem that's existing elsewhere also, (laughs) if that's the actual problem. Oh, they accidentally took the cockroaches from where they were, the alien cockroaches from where they were to here. It brought them here, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is simultaneously happening here and other places. Yes, (laughs) but they're only acknowledging it here because... Oh man, that would be nuts. That would be very American. <laughs> Mulder goes with Baronbaum to see Eckerly at his facility. Dr. Bambi Baronbaum. Though there's no reason she should have bothered since he has her stay in the car. Mulder goes inside the facility to find Eckerly, who is in a hysterical paranoid state, having been unable to escape the roaches that he feels are following him. Reasonable. And they're chirping at this point? But what is actually happening? It- All of these people are dying from... Specific things. It's wild coincidences that they're all happening back to back to back. Because Mulder gets a report before Scully comes into town that the guy died from anaphylactic shock, the one guy died from pushing too hard, one guy died from razor blades across his arm, and the last guy died from a heart attack for being scared too much. It's just 
Wild. Wild coincidences. All in this one night or whatever? All in this, yeah, this two-day period, one-day period, that just so happens to coincide with alien cockroaches being in town. Man. What an episode! <laughs> Eggerly pulls a gun on Mulder, thinking that maybe he is somehow a cockroach. <laughs> this I didn't understand. What is happening with Eggerly? Oh, he's lost it. Is He's cuckoo bananas. Is it... Is it because of the stress? Is it because of yeah. the methane? Is it because... They didn't say it was the methane. Because extraterrestrial cockroaches got in his head? I can't. I couldn't tell what was happening. Yeah, I think it's the stress. I think he cracked under the stress. Alright. So I said that's unreasonable that he thought Mulder might be a cockroach. Until his phone starts chirping like a cockroach. It's true. And cockroaches do make sounds. They don't chirp. Those were clearly cricket sounds. Well, hissing cockroaches do make sounds. Have you ever heard a hissing cockroach? I think so. And then there's other bugs that make chirping and clicking and things. But it doesn't matter. He was already... He thought Mulder was a cockroach, so any sound Mulder's going to make is going to be nuts. Well, Scully arrives at the scene and meets Berenbaum, which is hilarious because she pulls up and she looks at Dr. Bambi Berenbaum and she doesn't even blink and she goes, You must be be Bambi. Bambi. (laughs) Which is funny, but Dana Scully, that is Dr. Bambi Berenbaum, and you should not be so dismissive of her. That is, is some internalized misogyny well, yeah. on her point right there. Just because she's pretty and her name is Bambi? Dr. Bambi Berenbaum, whose parents were not nudists, <laughs> is a highly capable woman. Yes, she didn't say she was incapable. Eh, she said it with her eyes. She just, I think it was more of an understanding of, oh, now I completely understand everything that Mulder has been doing. Oh, I think she got it from the name. <laughs> everything she needed to know she got in the name because she was also deceased <laughs> wow Scully then goes in the facility looking for Mulder and she phones him so when Mulder's phone rings Eckerly believes that Mulder is making the sound that the other roaches were making Eckerly fires at Mulder but because there's a bunch of methane gas in there his shots rupture pipes and the pipes the gas ignites and it, the agents have to run out, and but Eckerly doesn't run out. He gets blown up. The agents flee, and the facility explodes. The next day, which is probably just a few hours later, Dr. Ivanov arrives to talk to Mulder at the scene of the explosion and meets Berenbaum. The two leave with one another, discussing their interests in insects, robots, and sci-fi. That night, Mulder writes his report on the case while he's eating the weirdest-looking bread. It was a muffin. Was it a muffin? It was the giantest muffin? Yeah, it was a Okay, it was the giantest muffin. It wasn't necessarily weird. I just couldn't make my brain make it whatever it was (laughs) supposed to be. Wondering how humanity would react if insect-like robots visited Earth. Mulder finds a Theaborus gigantus by his food and crushes it with an X-file. It was the coolest looking roach I've ever seen. Yeah. And at this point, it's where I go, what the fuck was this episode? This was wild nonsense, and I loved it. It was great. There was no resolution to it whatsoever. It reminded me of early X-Files, where Mulder and Scully were just there to witness a thing happen. Well, Dr. Bambi Berenbaum said that a lot of bugs don't molt. In, or their don't final have, molting was when they get their wings. Their wings, and so maybe that's what happened. They're and flying away. They flew away. Yeah. They, they flew away. During this, that night, why were there so many fires in that small town? Because everybody was going nuts. It was... It was... It was mass hysteria. It was. Cats and dogs living together. I think that would be mass hysteria. That just seems like... It's from Ghostbusters. I know. Oh. So what's his face who I hate? Bill Murray, who I love. Hate Bill Murray. Love Bill Murray. There's no reason to... I think that's the real difference between men and women. (laughs) How much you like Bill Murray. Which is not at all. It's just negative. And negative like Bill Murray. For women. And men love Bill Murray. Why? He seems fun. No, he doesn't. He seems like a giant asshole. Seems fun to me. No, you're not paying attention. (laughs) Okay. Ugh. Just thinking about it makes me angry. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) All right, who are you shipping? I am shipping that cool-ass bug at the end and a jar with a stick and a leaf in it to represent its natural habitat. No! Yes. Why are you going to do that to that poor bug? Because it's a cool looking bug and I want to keep it. <laughs> well, I already called it during the episode. I was like, well, I'm shipping Dr. Bambi Berenbaum and Dr. Ivanov because 
obviously. Anybody <laughs> who can be that excited about Planet of the Apes, they deserve each other. That's a great movie. Great movie. You should watch it sometime. No, isn't it like three hours long? No, absolutely not. I absolutely don't have any interest in watching it. It's a great movie. If I had any interest in watching it, I'm sure I would have watched it at some point in my life. You should watch it. No, thank you. We just watched uh, Buckaroo Banzai on the Adventures of the Eighth Dimension the other day, and you won't watch Planet of the Apes? Look, I watched Buckaroo Banzai in the something-something from the Eighth Dimension <laughs> <laughs> because it was your birthday week and you wanted to watch it. I don't remember that. If you had said, we're going to watch Planet of the Apes, I would have said... I'm going to go to sleep, which I did a couple of other nights. Yes, you did. <laughs> to be fair, I was very sick. All right, how are you surviving? Oh, man, I don't know. This Right? What? Because how are you dying? Huh? I guess don't push too hard. Yeah, don't strain. Eat some fiber. God, yeah, it's not a problem I have. But... Don't huff manure. Yeah, also not a problem I have. Oh, yeah, part of the um, that one style of huffing manure is you urinate and defecate in a jar and then oh my god i have heard of that and then you you ferment it by putting it it's basically like making sun sun tea tea. yes (laughs) yes i have heard of that that's what it is oh r.i.p all of us the cast files is produced by Kristen riley and dave reed edited by dave reed you can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 